do you draw first of all in a picture? You draw the houses. This is where people live. It's really important. It might seem like background stuff, but it actually gets to the root of who we are and where we come from. Welcome to Q Witness, the podcast from Quakers in Britain, all about taking action for sustainability, equality and peace. Quaker.org.uk slash Q Witness. Hi friends. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Chris. This podcast is all about witness. Each episode we discuss an issue that Quakers are active on. Quakers call this witness, action inspired by Quaker faith. And so some good news this week is that this week is Living Wage Week and more and more people are beginning to pay the living wage, which is set at £8.75 an hour if you're outside of London and £10.20 an hour if you're in London. So more and more Quaker organisations are paying it. We think we know of 13, there might well be more. And at Britain Yearly Meeting, we pay a minimum of 11 35 in London and £9.65 outside of London. Great news. It is great. And it's going up next year as well, the the amount that we pay at least. Mm. Yeah. And there's eight area meetings who also pay the living wage. Yeah. So yeah, Lancaster Quakers are leading on all of that very exciting work. In other good news, there will be Turning the Tide training in Rwanda this week. The Turning the Tide programme was set up here in Friends House in the early 90s and it's all about training people up to get better at doing social change and so they'll be training this week facilitated by Kenyan and Rwandan peace activists for peace activists from Nigeria and that's work supported by Quakers in Kenya, Burundi and Rwanda. And because of all the recent elections in Kenya the Turning the Tide Kenya have been doing loads of really interesting work looking at how to engage people in politics in a non-violent way and so some of some of the work that they've been doing has been having a really positive impact locally. If you want to find out a little bit more about that, then go to quicker.org.uk slash blog. This week, we're going to be talking about housing, which is quite a big issue, a complicated issue. But we're going to hear from two different people who've got two quite different takes on it, exploring some of the kind of intricacies and difficulties of creating more affordable, safe, warm sustainable housing across the country so Quakers have a really long history of being involved in housing because it's a cause of it's not just a cause but it's also a symptom of inequality within society and poverty and poverty yeah and I think we've all got horror stories of the worst places that we've lived so I grew up in a house that had basically no heating I had like that air duct heating that just was just I don't even know what that is yeah precisely <laughs> it basically had no heating just right. imagine a cardboard house with no heating yeah and then so. trying to live through a northern winter but then there was one time I was trying to move into a new house and I went in and I was like oh this you know it seems all right it's got like it's, it's even got a little bit of grass outside that's nice bit of garden great fantastic never lived in the house with a garden and then went upstairs to my bedroom and thought i just take check all the cupboards and stuff turn the mattress over and there's a massive moth infestation and i walked out and i was like there is no way in hell i'm living here <laughs> and then because i needed accommodation really quickly i ended up moving into a house where half the ceiling had fallen down with damp and i was like hmm moth infestation or damp which one would i prefer right yeah. now I raise you moths, infestation and damp um, with my my last house in London, which was the tiniest room you could possibly imagine. It just about fit a single bed in. It had no light in it and I had the boiler in my room. But the worst thing about that place was the landlord, who was so bad, so bad. And the worst part of it, well, not the worst part of it, but just to give you a sense of how bad it was, there was one Christmas where he 
sent an email to everyone who he had a tenant for, and we assumed he had a lot, saying that if we emailed him over Christmas, we'd be charged £20 for email. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's this kind of like... Just the yeah. fees are just wrong. Yeah, and yeah, it just shows how much power landlords have, and and how much there is a need to kind of increase the the protection for for tenants and for renters. Yeah, so we'll talk to Jessica Metheringham, who's the parliamentary engagement officer, because she's got some more information about the upcoming legislation on tenants' fees in England and Wales, because obviously in Scotland they don't have tenancy fees. Yeah, and. Housing is a really important issue for Quakers because we believe in the fundamental equality of everyone, which leads us to believe that uh, everyone should have access to a roof over their heads. And it's really inspiring, actually, to like remember how many Quakers are doing stuff on this. So we've got Quaker Social Action, who we're going to hear from in a bit. We've got the Joseph Roundtree Foundation up in York, the Quaker Housing Trust. Many area meetings are active on this issue. And that really builds on a legacy of Quaker involvement in housing and anti-poverty work. And, and the Joseph Rountree Foundation in York builds on the kind of uh, the legacy of, of Joseph Rountree, who, who kind of famously did the study in 1905 of, of poverty in, in York. And he wasn't the only one. The Derbys um, in Colebrookdale, the Rountrees, the Cadburys, all, all thinking about providing safe housing for their, for their workers at the time. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge legacy there and, and lots of inspiring uh, Quaker work over the now centuries on, on, on this issue. So our first interview uh, is with Jess and then we'll hear from Quaker Social Action about their exciting new project supporting young adult carers with housing needs. I'm here with Jessica Metheringham who is the Parliamentary Engagement Officer for Quakers in Britain. Hi, Hi. Jess. Hi, hello. So we know that at the moment there's quite a serious housing crisis and... Mm-hmm. Quakers have been pretty concerned about that for a long time. It's quite a serious inequality when it comes to housing and the housing options for people are narrowing quite significantly over time and it's getting, it seems to be getting worse. What are the things that Quakers are concerned about when it comes to housing? Well, there are a few things that Quakers are concerned about. This is one of the areas where we are looking at the big picture, saying what does housing actually mean? Because people tend to look at housing as if it exists in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. like it's just one thing. But it's connected to the rest of our lives. In fact, this is one of the areas where we all have a stake. We all need somewhere to live. So this is something that goes right across society. It's also connected to all of the other areas. So you mentioned financial inequality. The other big thing I see when I look at housing is geographical spread. So housing is one of those things that is intrinsically linked to the location. So it's a very localised problem. The concerns which Quakers in London have will be quite different from the concerns of Quakers in Scotland, will be quite different from the concerns of Quakers, for example, somewhere near Birmingham. But it's also one of those things where you get lots of little pockets. So the picture varies so much across the three countries. Okay, so what's the Quaker vision for housing? I think the Quaker vision was very well articulated by the Quaker Housing Trust. So they have a couple of booklets, and one of them says, these are the principles for a just housing policy. Sounds quite a handy way of summarising it. It's a really handy way of summarising it. So they look at them and they say, okay, we need a housing policy which looks at individuals, which looks at individual well-being and says, look, This is something that people need. This is not about 
the cogs in a machine. This is about people. This is about families. And the policy should be designed around the fact that people have different needs. The fact that people have different needs, not just different people having different needs, but the same person at different points in their life will need different things. So it's really slightly ridiculous to say that everybody should aspire towards home ownership when one person may want that at some point of their life, but may want to rent at another point, may want to be more transient at another time. You know, the fact is that people change, that people have differing needs. The second point that the Principles for a Just Housing Policy sets out is about living in true community. So it's really about making sure that we look to where we are. We make sure that there is not one person gaining at the expense of another. So we're looking after each other in that sense. So kind of like when people are on, say, short-term rental contracts Mm. and it's only a six-month lease and every six months people have to either renew that contract which could lead to worsening conditions or also that they have to move around a lot more because there's no security of tenancy that kind of thing exactly and you know that sounds like the sort of thing that the ethical landlords association would not stand for so they came out of the 2015 yearly meeting i think i'm right in saying that Mm -hmm. uh, that they had their their first proper gathering there. So that yearly meeting was when Quakers were particularly talking about housing issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, and that was because at that point we were expecting some new legislation in housing. There was a big housing conference uh, here in London in 2016. So this is a concern that was really live at that time, but it's a concern which has been a concern for many friends for many, many years. Okay, so what do the Ethical Landlords Association do? Well, they are a group of people who are landlords who want to be good landlords. It's pretty much what it says on the tin, I think. So do you know what the Ethical Landlords Association do? A little bit, yeah. I think they have gold, silver, bronze. Oh, do they? Yeah, they have like... I think they're a network of people who are landlords Mm -hmm. who have certain criteria for what it means to be an ethical landlord in today's society and so those things might change depending on different needs i guess that's exactly the sort of thing that we need but last year quakers fed into the consultation around the housing bill so that legislation was looking at a number of issues one of which was right to buy so that was where social housing was sold off and the authorities would theoretically be able to buy back more housing We put in amendments about replacing the social rented housing stock because we were very concerned that that stock would would decrease, which would mean that there was less social housing available for those who needed it. Is there any other legislation coming up that people might be able to feed into? So, the UK government will be bringing out a draft bill, which is the Draft Tenants Fees Bill, which, which will be great news for those who are renting. For those friends who are living in Scotland, there's currently a bill going through the Scottish Parliament which is looking at the regulation of social landlords. There's a similar bill going through the Welsh Assembly at the moment, which I understand is more of a technical bill than anything else. But we're expecting Welsh legislation to do with tenants' fees, which will probably arrive before the Welsh Assembly, before the UK one does. And how are all those bits of legislation going to help people's lives or not so hopefully that new legislation would make it 
much easier for renters. So it would stop the big management agencies, the letting agencies from having such huge fees. Scotland is different already and the experience from Scotland has been that in fact that those costs don't shift elsewhere, which is again good news for renters. What are other ways that people can get involved in campaigning around housing if this is something that's particularly concerning for them? So one of the things that they could do would be to set up a group with their local meeting. And this is actually really important for housing because housing differs so much around the UK. So the concerns of one area will be completely different to the concerns of another area. Might be completely different. So setting up a housing group within your local meeting, going and talking to the local council seeing what you feel the concerns are for that area. So it might be that homelessness is a big concern. It might be that that building new houses is a big concern. So looking at what you think needs to be done for your area, going and talking to your local council. Local authorities have a huge amount of power when it comes to housing, particularly around things like where new houses might be built. And at each stage of all of those things, people can respond to consultations and council websites? People can respond to consultations. They are generally available on the council website. There's a reason that the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has the notice of demolition, you know, somewhere in the basement, you know, inside a filing cabinet. Yeah, a lot of the consultation doesn't seem all that open. Sometimes you have to search for the consultation. But that's why it's worth setting up a housing group with your local meeting so you can spread out your time and do a better search. Okay. And if people don't necessarily have a local meeting that they can go to or it's not a really big concern, are there other organisations or the groups that people can get involved with? So people can definitely go to the Quaker Housing Trust because that's the charity that we as Quakers set up in the 1960s. So that's a way really to fund projects that we think will do good in housing. So we look at projects, we say, right, does this meet the principles? And we say, okay, what can we then do? So, for example, I think the Quaker Housing Trust has been involved in a project in Tunbridge Wells where the Quaker Meeting House has has transformed its meeting house into supported housing. They've done that in association with the local YMCA. Uh, cool. Okay, so, so kind of really about the funding is, for practical things. This is about grassroots, practical projects. What's actually going to make a difference right there for wider policy stuff? Then you could go to Housing Justice, which is a little bit of a policy vehicle, a little bit of a think tank. They're based here in London. They work across England and Wales. Okay, and if you're in Scotland? I would suggest you start with Commonweal because they're a good place to go for anything. <laughs> Great. It does seem like we've been talking about housing quite mm-hmm. a lot. It's part of the main discourse at the moment. It came up very strongly at the 2015 election and in 2017. But for most people, it doesn't really seem to have moved very far. There seems to be a lot of concern and kind of good words and that kind of thing. But nothing much seems to have changed for a lot of people. Do you think there's hope for the future? This is one of those issues which stays really important, but very rarely gets to be absolutely urgent. Now, Grenfell Tower, I think, transformed that. It took it from merely important to being something where people suddenly realised that it wasn't just slightly mouldy rooms. It suddenly shone a light on that and said, this is dangerous this is something that we need to change and we need to change it now 
So I think that the political climate is shifting with regards to housing, that things are moving a little bit faster. But I'm afraid I wouldn't hold your breath. No. That's quite concerning because it's certainly something that most people have have an issue with. I guess the only thing we can do is keep working at it and keep campaigning for the things that need to change. And This is absolutely something where I think it's essential for local meetings, for concerned friends to be doing stuff on the ground, to be looking at where they can make a difference at the grassroots. It feels as though housing is something where we need to make sure that the momentum keeps going. We just need to keep saying, this is something which affects us all. This is an important issue. We've got to keep talking about housing. Mm. And if it doesn't affect you, then it might affect your neighbour, or it might affect the person down the street, or someone on the other side of town. It's something that... If we want to build a community, if we want to live full lives. What is our community made of apart from people living in close proximity? If we're talking about geographical communities, what do you draw, first of all, in a picture? You draw the houses. This is where people live. It's really important. It might seem like background stuff, but it actually gets to the root of who we are and where we come from. Well, thank you very much, Jess. Um, thank you. It's, it's sort of been good to talk to you. Ah, <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll, we'll keep up the pressure. <laughs> Thank you. I think the thing I most learned from Jess there was just how complicated the housing picture is right. in the UK right now. Yeah, it really feels like we need change at almost every level, from the local up to the national, in parliament and in councils. And, you know, it. I think it's a pretty crappy picture at the moment. Um, There's a lot of people out there who are struggling. There's a lot that needs to change. But at the same time, I think, you know, in the next bit, we're going to hear from an organisation that is showing that even in that kind of pretty grim picture, there are things that we can do to kind of show the way forward. Yeah, there does seem to be a bit of impetus around housing, maybe, at the moment sort of desire to change things, maybe a little bit more recognition than there was yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that's I think that's true. I think it's shot up on the issues that people care about. It is now up there in the top, in the top five, whereas 10 years ago it really wasn't. Yeah. That's positive. Yeah. So should we hear from John Scott? Let's hear from John. I'm here with John Scarth at Quaker Social Action. Hi, John. Hello. Can you tell me a little bit more about Quaker Social Action? Yeah, well, briefly, Quaker Social Action is a 150-year-old charity this year. Oh, cool. Yeah, so 150th year, and we are a anti-poverty charity based in East London, but operating UK-wide. We're best described in our parts because what we do as an organisation is we look at society, we look where there is a need, and then we try to address that need in a practical way. Okay. And you've got a new project all around sort of housing at the moment, is that correct? We do. So this is my project. I am the project manager of a brand new project, really, called Move On Up. So in essence, what it is, is a a housing project for people who are aged 18 to 25, who have currently or previously cared for somebody and need somewhere to live and would struggle to find somewhere to live without us. How many houses did you have? We've got four. So we have four properties in East London, 
and so they're going to sound like very cool areas because mm-hmm. they are. So he's got two in Bethnal Green, one in Hackney Central, and one in Stoke Newington. They're all three bed properties. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that three people would be sharing a place. The reason we did that was there's no other option for people who are that age. If you're under 35 and you need housing benefits, the only rate which would be paid would be on a shared place. Also, if you're 25, 23, and you're living in London, unless you're from a very wealthy background, your place is very likely to be a shared place. So we wanted it to reflect reality, and we wanted it to be somewhere that people could leave home safely, have a lovely place to live, but also develop the skills and the reality that they would need to be able to move on to the next place. It's kind of one of the reasons we called it Move On Up. Okay. It's because we don't want it to be just somewhere for someone to live for two years. We want it to be somewhere that someone can live and then develop the skills they need and the resources they need to actually find somewhere to live that's, that they want permanently afterwards. Giving people the room to breathe can actually help people figure out what they want to do. It's huge. I mean, I say we're very early days. We've got our four flats and two of our flats are full of people. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be enjoying it. Okay. Uh, the other two are going to be full soon. And we're, we're learning as we're going. So this is a, a unique project. Nobody, as far as we know, has tried to address this need, like work with people who are young adult carers who need somewhere to live with this type of project. No one's ever done this before. And so we are, we're learning as we're going. So do you mostly focus on the individual people that you support or do you also do advocacy with government and trying to sort of campaign to change some of the things that are creating some of these problems my focus my first focus is and has to be always on the people who i'm working for which is these 12 young people living in these properties do you think there's any hope for some of these policies to change in the future that might make people's lives better i mean there's always hope isn't there there's always a fight there to be had and people are having it. You know, organisations like Crisis, who, when setting up Move On Up, we've been uh, consulting with a lot, and they've been fantastic and super supportive. I mean, there seems to be some movement, some some kind of back paddling mm. on, on uh, Universal Credit at the minute. So, maybe. Yes. Yeah. We, we can but hope. But <laughs> yeah. it, uh, one thing's for certain, that if people kind of accept it, then no. You know, if people go, yeah, okay, this is going to happen, then it's going to happen. Because now we've identified that there is a problem, actually there's almost like a duty on the government, on Parliament, on our local councils to actually start paying a bit more attention and to actually change it. Do you have anything else you want to add? If anyone was interested in having a look at, you can have a look at our website. That's got quite an embarrassing video of me going, Homes Under the Hammer style, this is a living room. This is a kitchen. But you can see what one of the facts looks like. www.moveonup.org.uk And you can see the rest of Quaker Social Action's project and what we do on uh, qsa.org.uk. But yeah, and if anybody wants to get in touch with me directly, yeah. uh, you can find my contact details on the website as well. Okay, great. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much, John. This has been really, really interesting. No, thanks for having me. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. 
Thanks to John for sharing all that inspiring work. It was uh, really great to go and chat to Quicker Social Action about what they've been up to. John also asked me to share about how to get in touch. If you're looking for assistance with housing and you're a young adult and you're a carer, do feel free to get in touch with him at moveonup at qsa.org.uk. You can find out more about the project at moveonup.org.uk as well. We've basically just dipped into the, the issue of housing in this podcast, but obviously it's so huge and so big, quite a complicated one. So, But don't forget that there's plenty of Quaker organisations and obviously other organisations where you can find out more. So there's Quaker Social Action, the, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation up in York, Quaker Housing Trust... Ethical Landlords Association. Ethical Landlords Association. And if you want to read up more about the history, then Google the Derbys of Cogwagdale or the Cadburys and, and read more about what they were doing. I'm sure we've still lots to learn from them. And I guess it, it, it feels a bit like kind of a big, difficult thing. But at the same time, I think it also feels like one of those things that if we got it right, it could be amazing. Yeah. Um, in ma- in many of the issues that Quakers are kind of active on, so on climate change or inequality, it's one of those things where if we build sustainable kind of low carbon housing, we create jobs and we create warm, safe places where people can live. So I and think we help create community and build community. So I, I think that's that's my reflection. Well, we've got a long way to go, but actually, this is something that if we get it right, it could kind of be really really powerful. Yeah, it could. We definitely need to get on that. Yeah. So if you want to catch up on all the housing-related work that Quakers do, go to quaker.org.uk forward slash housing. And don't forget that you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you find podcasts, and it helps other people to find it too. And do leave any comments using the hashtag QWitness, and we'll pick those up. Keep up to date with Quaker news between episodes by following at British Quakers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Go well, friends. Mm-hmm.